<laughs> well, you know, some of us grew up paying attention to a lot of cool uh, sales and marketing books. You know, there's a lot of classics out there. And, you know, I have so many questions because you found us Amanda Holmes. Yes. So the ultimate sales machine is really kind of the precursor, I think, to content marketing. Her father, Chet Holmes, started the company and came up with this way of selling. And it, it really feels like what everybody does now and nobody in marketing ever talks about Chet Holmes. So I was like, why is that? Maybe they think it's that he's sales or something. But anyhow, so Chet Holmes passed away and his daughter, singer-songwriter Amanda Holmes, was in her 20s at the time and took the role uh, of CEO and just blew things up, <laughs> did it amazing and grew it like crazy. And I'm pretty sure everybody over there was like, whoa, because she was younger than it, literally everybody there. So. Singer-songwriter, gymnast, I like th there's a lot of hyphens and commas in this woman's world. Daily practitioner of mindfulness and meditation. Let's do some practice. Hi, everyone. Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, welcoming you to The Backpack Show. Your hosts, Chris Brogan, Kerry Gargone, Boom Shakalaka. Backpack Show. And she's so nice. Yeah, you know. No, but you wouldn't think so. You would think somebody who came in and grew a company to the extent she, I mean, we're talking like a thousand plus percent increase in leads and conversions. That's the nuts part. Like, you right. Know, a dad who's known for sales. You think mean, she he, would be like a very pretty shark. That book wasn't called, that book was person. not called the not so bad sales machine, you know? And you know uh, what? It still works. It's still like a best-selling book in all absolutely. translated in all kinds of languages. We'll get her out here. She'll know all the specifics. Let's but... grab some Amanda Holmes's. Hang on. Hey, Amanda. Hello. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy you're here. Um, the ultimate sales machine is a classic. You can't not say that. Like you know, that's it, it would be shenanigans. But it, like a lot of things that happen when when a book is kind of when it's come out long before you showed up at Barnes and Noble, some people don't give it its uh, shrift or whatever. You could have done a lot of things besides take over Dad's business. What made you do that? And what made you say this book has to stay alive? it's actually voted in the top 10 most recommended marketing and sales books of all time. That's what the so, kids say. Yeah. It, <laughs> it has transcended. Um, this week will be nine years since my father passed. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful for all of the people around the world that read that book. And, and it's actually come to a point where they're calling it their red Bible. I talked to a gentleman in India two weeks ago who said that it's his Gita. It's um, it's it's really humbling. Um, but yeah, when I first took it over there, I had all the reluctance in the world. I wanted nothing to do with it. That the idea of taking over a couple hundred staff, all double my age. I mean, it was just terrifying that that concept. <laughs> Even thinking back to it now, I'm still like, oh, that was awful. That's really uh, a lot, a lot to handle. But um, yeah, I guess for anybody that's stepping into a role where there's already something established, the first thing that I did was really listen and just ask lots of questions. So I started to peep up on calls and I'd say, uh, <clears throat> hi. And they go, who is that? Um, it's Amanda. Uh, I just had a question. <laughs> it was this terrifying experience. Um, but the more I asked questions, the more people kept saying, you're asking the right questions, keep asking. Um, there were some things that needed changing and needed evolving. And um, 
like our lead flow. And uh, yeah, man, how to go through that story. Can we start there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you're just getting the lay of the land, figuring out kind of what it even is they do there. But along the way, your dad in your entire upbringing was giving you insights and kind of teaching you and training you for the role and to lead without you ever even realizing it, it seems like. Partially, yeah. I mean, I'd never read his book. I'd never watched his trainings, right? But I did sit next to him. I mean, I can remember the first time I did a lemonade stand. I went to my father. I'm like, I'm going to do a lemonade stand. I'm going to write lemonade and put, you know, 50 cents on it. He's like, no, no, no. Write the best lemonade in the world and then put a dollar. And I went, why would I do that? Dad, is it the best lemonade in the world? He's like, trust me, just do it. So me with the gumption at seven years old to have this lemonade, best lemonade in the world. And it's like double the price of everyone else. But everyone would stop and go, why is this the best lemonade in the world? And my first response, because my dad told me so. <laughs> and then I got smarter as we went. But yeah, little I can think back to those little moments where you just go, oh, yes, he was. There was parts training in there conditioning <laughs> yeah. a little of both so again this is this is one of those uh books that when people read it they start sending it around to other people they start talking to people about you know you really need to get this it works and like it hasn't changed you know in any particularly significant you know uh like there's no massive fundamental changes since this thing came out it's a, it's a big deal and it's still the same as what it was what does Amanda Holmes add to it, though, to make it a little more here we are in 2022? That's so interesting you say that because I'm in the middle. I'm just finishing up the new edition. So Penguin wanted to do a new edition the entire time that I took over uh, the business. And I thought, oh, my God, I could never touch that. That's sacred, <laughs> sacred land right there. I don't know. Um, but uh, over the years, getting more. Uh, experience under my belt. I finally took it on two and a half years ago. And I, it, it is true. When I first started asking, what do people want from the book? They said, it's timeless. Don't touch a freaking thing, which was very daunting. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> but um, chapter seven is a big place where I spent a lot of time because if you think about it, the last 50 years, Marketing has mostly been spent between radio and television. So it took 30, or I'm sorry, it took 38 years for radio to get to 50 million users. It took television 13 years, so nearly half as much, to get to 50 million users. When we got to the internet, it took four years for the internet to get to 50 million users. And Facebook, it only took two years. So if we think of the previous 50 years, we had really not had a lot of innovation in marketing compared to the last 10 years. My gosh, my father was writing this book when websites was two words. <laughs> you know, we, had, we hadn't even dove into what marketing is today. So that, that's a big place where I've spent a lot of time. So what kinds of things did you do when you stepped into the role? Like what opportunities did you see that everybody who was just kind of going along doing what was already working had missed out on? Oh, man. Well, at that time, I did a lot of meditating because the innovation had to happen, right? And um, we had a system that was working really well for radio. And as soon as they 
uh, passed some laws that said that you can't actually be on your phone while you're driving a car. The calls coming into our call center started to dry up. And my marketing team thought it was a good idea to continue using my father's voice after he'd passed. Um, so we were getting a lot of people who were very upset, calling in saying, what are you doing? Um, so that was difficult as well. So what... Um, what I did was I implemented our dream buyer strategy. Uh, it's the fastest, least expensive way to double sales. It's my father got his big break working for Charlie Munger, um, Berkshire Hathaway co-chairman. So he was able to double the sales of nine different divisions, all within 12 to 15 months. And several of them doubled multiple years consecutively. And the way that he was able to do this was he realized that there is a repeatable system for how to grow sales. Uh, so it, he had been, I'm going to tell that story to get to my story. Is that fair? No, that's what Chris does every time we do the show. Okay. So feel free. <laughs> it's like the ground laying story and then the story. Okay, great. So, so he was given a list of 2000 different advertisers. He was working in a newspaper and they said, okay, go cold call these 2000 different advertisers. Well, he thought, wow, that's a lot of work. Let me do a little bit of research on these first. And he realized that 95% of those 2000 advertisers only five, or I'm sorry, 95% of the advertising was only bought by 167 of those 2,000. So instead of going after 2,000, he led a dream intensive effort to those 167 where every week he would cold call, follow up with a direct mail, cold call, send them a fax, right? This was before we had Instagram DM, LinkedIn message, follow up, right? So there's so many more mediums that you can do it for today. But he he followed up with all of these 167. Now they were the biggest advertisers in the space. So for the first four months, he got nothing. No one replied. People started talking in the office like, who is this guy? He's supposedly a sales, you know, somewhat. In the sixth month, he closed the largest contract that the industry had ever seen. He brought Xerox into the industry. And then subsequently after that, he doubled sales three years consecutively, as I told you. So what I did was I used that same approach. I found our biggest joint ventures. I looked into the industry. Who are the biggest players that also serve the same business owner that I serve? And we did webinars together. We, jo we did joint webinars. So I taught my father's methodology in a different format, which was in a webinar. And it didn't cost me a dime to go to all of these different um, affiliates, right? And uh, that was a bit of what I did. I, I still can't believe it. I'm like 24 years old, right? 26 years old, leading hundreds of CEOs in these trainings. I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> oh my God, a little crazy. Hey, if it works, it works. <laughs> yes. Completely well, the thing that didn't change was the back end, right? So it wasn't me that was at that time. It wasn't me that was performing all of the training. It was all my coaches and consultants, and they still continue to serve majority of our clients. So uh, the singer songwriter really helped in that moment. All the time that I'd spent in front of audiences and getting them involved actually did change over to my uh, business. Oh, sure. at. Like the showmanship. Yeah, but you grew the pie. So they were making they were kind of iterating on what was already working. And you were like, here's this whole other thing that we've never done before. That's this new thing. And so that led to growth. Yes. So um, mash up for us here, because usually salespeople and singer songwriter people don't chill. They don't hang out. Yeah. Too much. 
In fact, uh, <laughs> performers make great money if they play at sales events, but that's about as close as you get to those. You've two been backstage, Christopher, at rock shows and stuff. I have, but I'm not, you know, I'm not typical. But like, I would say that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that don't cross over so well. So, how did you make it work? How did you know you were going to make it work? And and what's something that failed? What's something you were like, well, that sure doesn't play in this crowd. That is so funny that you say that because I was obsessed. So there was still that ultimate sales machine in me somewhere because when I got on a stage, especially I did a lot of coffee shops at first, right? I'd book all my tours, you know, 30 cities in 28 days up the coast. And um, I would have to close the entire coffee shop or small venue on my CD sales. Like no matter what, I knew that I was converting at least 95, if not a hundred percent of the room. Like, and, and that was very clear to me. That was the goal actually, which majority of singer songwriters, just like business owners that have a craft, right? You're, you're um, a chiropractor and you're not thinking so much about, okay, how do I close? How do I increase my business? Right. You're just a chiropractor. You've been trained on being a chiropractor. So I would look at these other songwriters and I go, you have a CD and you're not even mentioning that you have it. That's so weird. I'd come up with songs about my tip jar. I would serenade them about how it was hungry. <laughs> you know, I'd mention, you see how it says college fund on my tip jar? I, at one point, I realized that I kept selling out the room. I needed to find a way to upsell. So I challenged the room. I said, if you fill that tip jar, I will walk on my hands on this stage. I mean, I'm pulling out whatever I can, right? <laughs> Any way to, to find another, I don't know. It's just the, the salesman in me was still there. So, and, and at that, the first time I introduced that, actually, it was a hilarious crowd in Monterey. They were so great. A guy came up from the audience, grabbed my tip jar and went, that has to happen. And he went around the room and he went, give her more money. <laughs> it was hysterical. You know, when you build that bond, the, they, they went around and I, and I did actually walk on my hands around the stage. I did it also on Periscope. I said, if you can get me 100,000 likes, I will walk on my hands. I don't know why, but for some reason, people get really excited about walking on hands. I'm like, you can just YouTube walking on hands, right? It's <laughs> not that, that big of a deal. But because they were involved, I got to like 100,000 likes in like 30 days, 40 days. It was awesome. But um Back to the training. What didn't work? That's interesting. Um, well, the marketing and sales part was always wonderful. The hardest part that I had was coming into an organization where everyone was double my age, right? So everybody's looking at me going, you shouldn't be here. And I'm like, I agree. <laughs> I really don't know why I'm here either, right? And, and, and then there started to be this kind of battle um, so my hardest times were actually with my, with the staff. I did a lot right. of changing around of staff and picking the people that I wanted on the bus versus who my father had on the bus, which at first I really regarded every single person that my father chose. I th thought, well, nothing could be better. My father chose this person, but then I started realizing that I'm not my father and I actually operate very differently. I'm totally a lover. Whereas my father liked to battle, like he liked to yell with people and that was not my MO. So I, I did my hardest, my hardships were really with, with this, with the team. Having to shift it and get the kind of right fit. Um, it dawned on me that one or two people 
uh, in the audience right now, I'm thinking of have challenges with self-esteem and Mm self-worth and also that sense that they're a total imposter. You can't be much more an imposter than a young lady showing up to her dad's (laughs) legacy. You're such a fake. As a singer songwriter, by the way, not like a Wharton MBA. (laughs) on her guitar and she goes, here I am to be the boss. The guitar is still there though. So great. Okay. That is a really important point because I think it really matters what your intention is, right? So I wasn't coming in trying to pretend that I was anything that I wasn't, right? What I made clear was my intention, and I I would make this prayer. I'm like, I grant myself permission to be connected to my higher self. And then my second one was, uh, please guide me to be a conduit of light and love. I just want to serve. How can I serve? And when I started coming into the business, I mean, we have success stories around the globe. When people would interact with me, they'd be crying about the loss of my father. They never met him. It was like the, the loyalty and the love for what we had done for their business, for their lives was so palpable that I recognize that I didn't have all the tools that I needed, but I had some. And if I could usher, if I could be just the hands, like, please just utilize my hands. Where do they need to go so that I can assist more of these people? So like, for instance, I ran this huge virtual event. We ended up getting, so I had, um, I generated 30,000 new leads in this one month of doing this virtual event. And I didn't spend a dime on front end advertising. I only spent it on back end retargeting. Uh, And that was all through, again, affiliates where I got my dream 12 speakers. And instead of me speaking, because I wanted to bring our our brand back to the forefront, you know, we lost my father, but the brand is still here. Right. We're still we're still alive. I just interviewed all of these people. So people saw my face, you know, but I wasn't the one training because I could acknowledge that that wasn't my role yet, right? I still needed some years under my belt. So I just put a platform for everyone else and interviewed them. And um, so it still carried on. And and same with the new edition of the book. I'm like, my father's, it, it took him 50 years to write that book. <laughs> How do I do it? But it's, it's been acknowledging that there are so many wonderful stories. And in the new edition, I get to tell those stories of all of these people that have implemented what my father taught. So I'm just an usher. And as long as I keep that clear that I am just serving and what I can best do to serve, if it was about me, oh my God, Ooh. <laughs> it definitely hasn't been about me. It's, it's been about how to serve our clients, really. Well, when we come back, we have a bunch more questions to ask you. We have another entire career we haven't talked about. We've got to also learn a little bit more about how to open the light within. So stick around. Amanda, Amanda's not going anywhere. I just got to read a couple of ads. Amazing. The amazing, like capital. Amanda's amazing. All right. Uh, hey, want to start your own show? You can. Hey. Stream it. <laughs> hey. Seabrogan.me slash stream You can make a show just like this one only. Maybe better. Who knows? Get your um, own CEO. That's right. Uh, want an audio podcast? Sick of our gorgeous faces? You could go to castos.com and you can start your own audio podcast. We're everywhere that you can find a podcast. Boy, ooh, amazing. Aren't we great? Um, What's wrong with you? I don't know. Jane, by the way, Jane's here. Jane, send me an email because we have to talk about something. I, you have an ad week coming up. So I was going to do it this week and then I really Does it have I anything to do with castos.com? I don't know what you want me to read to. So I was just thinking about ads. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Mitch Jackson, I'm giving Mitch Jackson a whole extra week just because, you know, 
I, I wanted him to see how much we cared. Mitch Jackson, streaming dot lawyer, California's leading trial attorney, by the way. Mitch is uh, so much more than that, though. He's a smart guy. He's uh, he's got a Legal Minds Mastermind group. He's got a really cool clubhouse presence. Mitch Jackson, uh, you might have seen me using Presearch earlier. I I'm not joking when I say that this is the search engine that I've used ever since Kate Colgan and Colin Pape and everybody has uh, sponsored the show. Presearch is my number one search engine. Stick it to the man. Search <laughs> Presearch. Well, Google did some things manually that seemed grossly unfair to founder Colin Pape, and he was like, "Forget that. We did a lot of work with these small businesses to make them rank." And you were like, "Nah, it competes with Google's new thing now, so we're going to manually push them to like page seven or whatever." And he was yeah. like, "No." So that's the story behind Presearch. It's kind of democratizing search. So there we I'm go. For it. Last one. You want a dot online domain? Sure you do. <laughs> you could have Amanda dot online for 99 US centavos. Just Go to use the code Chris, all caps. Seabrogan.me slash online. Use the code Chris, <laughs> all caps. Um, Actually, and... Jane Morehouse sent me some uh, some cosmetics. Yeah, you got some too. Is, is, mm-hmm. uh, Dan so from Natasha Moore, who makes really cool cosmetics i get to pick a couple colors and so i got this lip oil oh lip oil it's good for you because your lips get dry and stuff from Mm. the sun you don't know because you're a guy and then this lipstick silk suede lipstick and this is cool she's not paying us anything i have brushes now. you have to see this okay so this is the lipstick you push a little button and it like shoots out at you (gasps) (laughs) shoots the lipstick out at you so it's a lipstick launcher. It was a little aggressive at first, but I feel like you, if you're prepared for it, it's really cool because it keeps right. it from getting all squished. Um, remember so the thank show. You. Thank you, Jane. Uh, remember that this show runs on your comments. So um, you got to bring it to, to together by asking questions and comments. So here we go. I'm going to hit this button. Amanda's back. And Amanda, Hooray. we need to know some things. Uh, how do we open the light within? Oh, this was such a beautiful thing that bloomed during COVID. So we were looking for a way to bring people together from around the world. We really felt, um, this is led by uh, Sarvaloka Maher Holiness, Sri 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 1008 Guruji Punamji. So she's an Indian saint, absolutely magnificent woman, the most brilliant uh, individual I've ever met. Um, and she realized that there was so much fear around what's happening and it's just propagating fear that we were looking for a way to bring people together and say, who would stand to be confident during this time to say, I will be, I'll be a lighthouse. I'll hold that light within myself and permeate that out so that more people can feel that and be a part of it. So we started this where we let lit candles and people would honor for the candle and and I'd be lighting these candles and it would be somebody from China next to somebody from uh, Europe, next to somebody from Australia. Next, We had, uh, I think we're up to about 20 different countries now. Russia, a bunch of people from Russia, um, just all coming together to stand and say, I will be a force of light. I will be confident. I will hold that positivity within me. Yes, that's Carrie's candle. Carrie, why don't you share? What's been your experience being a part of it? I love that. So for me, it's a reminder that people are thinking about me and wishing me well, even if I've never met them. It's just like for at least one moment, I feel like part of something bigger than myself. And it's Mm -hmm. all about positivity and love. So it really helps counteract the isolation. I think the pandemic kind of exacerbated for those of us who already work from home. Mm. Oh, I love that. We also do it on the full moon. So every full moon, it just brings in that, that light and love. It's really remarkable. 
We had a couple comments come in about the shooting lipstick. I feel like having <laughs> lipstick <laughs> launcher, says Cody. And Jane says the concealer sheets uh, also. So Natasha Moore Cosmetics apparently are uh, aggressive mm. cosmetics. Rex says it's not lost on me that Mitch Jackson's signature looks like Michael Jackson's signature, which is genius. I don't know. Uh, well, so now I have a question uh, uh, about your Guruji, uh, because she'd be the only other person I've ever met with a number in their name. Uh, the other one being like Andre 3000 from, you know, Outcast. So Sarva Lakama, Her Holiness Sri 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 1008 Guruji Pun, Pun Amji. I almost got it. Um, wow, I'm impressed. 1008. Uh, how is 1007? Were they good people as well? Or how does that work? What's that number mean? Well, the, so the whole name Sarvalokama means mother to all. Um, Shri 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 means that you've conquered the subconscious, the conscious and the superconscious. 1008. So if you've ever seen a Buddha and they have all of those lotus petals on their, mm -hmm. on, on his crown, that actually when you're enlightened, it means that you have bloomed all of the lotuses on your crown chakra and there's a thousand and eight to reach enlightenment. So a thousand and eight means that she's enlightened. That's, okay. that's what's in that name. Because I'm just 108. I just get the beads. You know, so <laughs> I just, I just, exactly I can go around. competitive about time. spirituality now. Right. Well, that's what she's got. Like kick general your badges. She's, you know, Don't she's, so she's not two Shrees. She's three Shrees. Yes. She's got 1,008. Like she's the top. Like you didn't yes. choose like a lesser guru in this case. You decided. But I have a question. You're, you're like a very vocal and publicly aligned. You talk about your journey, you talk about mindfulness, meditation divine bliss international all these things very openly there might be like some curmudgeonly types in business that are like oh it's all this you know fluffy woofy nonsense or whatever so right. how do you how does this amanda the and the other amanda connect that that's a great question hmm. i don't feel like i get so much resistance but maybe that's because I'm just so happy with what I'm doing, people go, what is it? <laughs> Maybe? I, I I, don't know. I mean, I shaved my head for five years, and that was definitely people would go, what are you doing? Like, what is that? That would probably be the biggest um, question mark that people have had towards me was, why would you ever do that? And um, so my Did they ask it? Or did oh, they all just... the time. People would, yeah. Pe people would ask Rude. me all the time. Yeah. Well, sometimes it was rude. Other times it wasn't. I mean, a lot of people would ask me if I had cancer, if that was a problem or something. And to be honest, my father died at 55. He was a brilliant businessman, but he did it with pressure and stress. And um, that was another reason why I thought never in a million years would I step into his business because I would just be stepping into a grave next to him, right? So there was a very strong feeling of I would never be a part of that. And um, and Guruji was the one that said, you, you can step in. You just can do it your own way. And it's different. And um, when, when pressure was at its peak, which it got really crazy. I mean, the first week that I finally, it was two years before I stepped in as CEO. And the first week we had spent half a million dollars on Salesforce and I had to decide if we were going to go into that CRM or not. And I'm like, CRM, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what is that? Um, our merchant services shut down payroll. So I couldn't pay hundreds of people. I'm like, what's a merchant services? <laughs> like, I mean, it was just like, 
terrifying event after terrifying event. And the pressure was so high that my guru had been saying for years that, you know, we build up these images of ourselves and we try, we spend so much time trying to live up to these images that other people make of us, what our family thinks, what our friends think, what our associates think. And to free yourself from that and truly tap into what your potential is, why don't you just clean the slate? Why don't you just shave your head to commit to be the most pure, honest, truthful version of yourself? And I thought, wow, I need that more than anything right now. I just need to feel that liberation and that freedom that I'm doing something for me and I'm doing it in the best way I possibly can. So I shaved my head and I loved it so much. I did it for five years. It was a huge part of me setting that separation of this is my father's path. This is my path. And I could look myself in the, in the mirror every day with pride, knowing that my prayer was, you know, please guide me as a conduit of light and love. I'm just here to serve. Show me how. So that was part of my practice. But now, years later, you are elbows deep in that book. And you're yeah. going insane, rewriting <laughs> chapters and things like that. <laughs> this is not what you signed up for. This is not your journey, Amanda, but you have to, you're soldiering through because that's the job. How are you finding your way through that? Because book authors who chose to be book authors sometimes fall off their path. How are you doing what you do? That's a great question because the whole reason why I took on the project of accepting the the book writing from Penguin was the final chapter. So I'm adding in chapter 13, which is the encore that my father never got to give. And uh, right before I was entering the manuscript to the publisher at four in the morning, I found this letter from my father that he had written to his best friend about how he had generated more more wealth into his life in the prior six months than he had in the prior eight years combined. And it was these, these realizations about how to live in a rich and full life. And, and uh, that, that message is something that really needs to get out to business leaders today. And it really resonated with what I have lived with, which is this concept of be the best version of yourself and everything else will work out. Um, and and what I've learned from being a part of Divine Bliss International studying under Guruji, that was a huge part of it. So I felt that that message more than anything, yeah, I have some great stuff in there about redefining content marketing and, you know, how to overcome the changes in technology of marketing as it's changed so radically. But what I'm really proud of is that that final encore and how to live a rich and full life. And you're doing this not, it's like the two parts of you are not mutually exclusive. I don't think you could have grown the business the way you did if you hadn't had the grounding in yourself and your own light that you have. I feel like that's really important to say because some people think you've got to chase the almighty dollar and you can't be spiritual as well. And it's just not true. My best innovative ideas have come when I am meditating, you know, on my chanting beads. I love that you show me your chanting beads, you know, I'll pick up my guitar and do some chanting or be on my beads. And just with the intention, how do I serve? How do I serve? I mean, in my meditations, at one point, I realized that I was, the karma wasn't balanced and I needed to double my pricing. And I'm like, should I double? Well, 
it was divinely said. I think that that makes sense. Yes, I'm giving too much for what I'm charging for. So I doubled our prices and we did great. <laughs> it's like, wow. So it's not about giving. Um, it's about the balance of it, right? And and being in that service. And, and I've closed some of our biggest contracts being in of service. So it's not, they're not, you either be of service or you make money. Um, some of the greatest heroes I have in business have all been those that just come from this place of everybody wins. What can we do to make sure that everyone rises with us? Um, I'm very grateful for those people in my life and, and yeah, I believe so in it. Too. One of those, uh, one of those facets of Amanda Holmes we haven't dug into too much and we're going to, we're going to double dip even is, uh, I was just poking around YouTube a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh and my so, gosh. Here I am on YouTube. Yeah. Well, I could sing something live for you. This yeah, is that's what I'm gonna want. But I just wanted to show people. Waiting for light to come. But you know, you do a little bit of a bit of picking and fussing. So we thought maybe you'd do a little tiny bit of picking and fussing for us. Oh my gosh. Hmm. This is awesome. Wow. What do you know? There's a guitar. Yeah, I always, it, I always keep it um, within reach because, I mean, in between calls, usually I'll do some kind of chanting of some sort. Like one of my favorite ones to keep the energy going is um, Om Trambakam Yajamahi Sugandim Pushti Vardhanam Urvarukam Ivabandhanam Mrityor Mukchi Amamritai that's, you know, Sanskrit. I know a lot of Sanskrit. I, I love Sanskrit things. But uh, yeah, I also have my own stuff too that I do for fun. Like I wrote a song for my mother recently, um, uh, which was for Mother's Day. It went, um, we're like the CIA, FBI, let's talk the FYI. Who needs the MLP? It's just you and me. We rock TLC. You're my BFF, my GPS, my SPF. Protect me. Yell SOS. You come to help. Cause you are with TCP. Ha! <laughs> Amazing. Yay! Wow. I got Sanskrit in and an original. Thanks, guys. That Woo! was fun. That was a lot of TLAs in that song. That was. Oh, yeah. I've never heard letters used so well in a song. Not since, like, <laughs> They Might Be Giants did a children's album. I'm very oh, impressed. That's a fine feature song. Um, we have to do some things and get you out of here because that's what we do. We finish shows. So, uh, but ne never have I not wanted to end a show. So, here we go. Uh, we have this to do. Oh, and here's our person of the day. Kaboom! Uh, how do you gonna, even pick i, I never know, know by the way i don't really know how i'm gonna pick i'm gonna get rex williams he's a he's over at a very large uh organization on the coast of the west a little north um so he just came in and so i'm just happy that rex swung by and said hi but i could have said the same about christina because she hasn't been by lately but or she hasn't commented lately so rex your person of the day you win woo that'll change everything your life is going to go you apple you just have to go and purchase it yourself Wash it really good and bake it into like a tart. There you go. 
And now we have a question we're going to ask Amanda Holmes. We've asked this same question to everybody. Sir, mix a lot. Uh, Sadia Trujillo, who is in Clowns Without Borders. We did That's it. exactly to... what you think it is, Amanda. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Mistress Harley, the financial dominatrix. They've all answered this one question. What goes in your backpack? This could be something physical. It could be something metaphorical. It's whatever you want. It could be an avocado. It could be hope for the future. Carrie, what is something physical that one could add to a backpack? Like an extra set of teeth because you just never know. I like that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> hey, what is a metaphorical thing we can add to a backpack? Oh, kindness. Mm, kindness is a good one. I bet I bet if we had a burlesque dancer, they would probably answer something like kindness. kindness. I bet, bet they would. Mm. Hey, my mom says this has been an awesome show, so you should know that, Amanda. No, uh, no pressure, but my biological uh, mother is here. And <laughs> she says... Um, Moms she love says Amanda. She and won't so, be so proud. <laughs> physical or metaphorical thing. What do you want to add to the backpack to help people succeed for the next couple of years? Oh my gosh. You know, I just posted this like two days ago. I don't know. So it's a meme and it has one guy that says, is that all you need? So there's one guy with a bunch of different boxes and it says like exotic holiday, new clothes, new car, more stuff. And it's this big cart right and then there's this one person that says yeah this is all i need and it's just a box of love <laughs> all you need is love <laughs> i know don't you love it i really think that that is my life love is your life is a really good uh, way to look at it carrie did, wasn't your uncle phil a musician he was actually self-taught he started with the drums and by the end of i don't even like his teen years he could play anything he was really making it big, and then he went on the late night show, and what happened was pretty. That's how he ended oh, up in 